Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. Oh, yeah. Man, it is uh, our privilege and our honor to stand on this stage. I'm speaking on behalf of me and my wife, just the fact that we are here. We want to express our gratitude and thanks for the love and just the welcoming spirit that you guys have expressed towards us. Every note, every uh, Facebook ad, every comment, every smile, every hug, it really has mattered and it really has allowed us to feel welcomed. And we really appreciate that. So thank you so much. And uh, to our pastor, pastors, rather, Pastor Marty and Pastor Patty, um, I, well, I'm just so grateful for their leadership and just the fact that they give us the opportunity to serve here. So really excited. How are you guys feeling today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all going to talk back to me today. Awesome. Um, if you're ready to go to the word, we're going to John, the eighth chapter, starting at the third verse, John chapter eight starting at verse number three. I'm going to try to use this TV. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, neither do I go and sin no more. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject matter, the stone of grace. The stone of grace. Let's pray. Father, have your way and bless your word in Jesus name. Amen. So um, I am from Windsor, Connecticut, born and raised. I'm a Northeasterner. And um, one of the cool things about where I'm from is that we were part of a big church group and they would have this church conference Every other year, every two years in um, multiple different places and my parents would go. And so we went to this church conference in Indianapolis called General Assembly. And so we went and we were having a good time. I met a lot of people. But one of the nights my parents were saying, you need to stay in this room and you're not allowed to go out. And so I was 12 years old and I did what most 12 year olds do and said what mama and daddy don't know won't hurt them. And I decided to go out of the room. I decided to go and hang out with some friends, hang out with some people. And we were exploring the hotel and we ended up in this little secluded area, little 
did I know that my parents were looking for me frantically. I thought they were going to be out a long time, but they came back early. I don't know if it was the spirit of the Lord just ushering them back, um, but they came back really early and they were looking for us everywhere in the hotel. And so uh, at the moment that they found me, I was getting ready to give a hug to a young lady that I met at the time, a hug goodbye. And my parents came around the corner and they were like, no. It was this intense. It was something out of a movie. For me, it happened in slow motion. Y'all ever been real embarrassed? Embarrassment tends to happen in slow motion, replayed over and over and over. My father came up to me and he began to chastise me. And then my mother is yelling at the young woman and saying, he's only 12 years old. I wish I could have hid under a rock in that moment. Because I had been caught doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. I've been caught in a very difficult place. It was an embarrassment place. Uh, The woman in our text is found in a very similar condition. She's found in a very embarrassing place. She's found in a place where she was guilty of doing something. This was not an accusation. She was caught in the act of doing something that she shouldn't have done. But this text is really not about this woman. The text is an ongoing battle between Jesus and the Pharisees. You see, uh, the chapter before, what was happening is that the Pharisees were upset at Jesus. Jesus was nice to people, and uh, nice people attract other people. And so they were a little jealous of how Jesus was bringing people in and how people would listen to what Jesus had to say. And so they would find, try to find a way to trap Jesus try to find a way to bring him down, try to find a way to discredit him. And each and every time he would outwit them and outsmart them. He would say something that would blow their minds. And at the end of chapter seven, they go away. And then now we're here in chapter eight and they're trying to do the same thing again. And they lose Jesus outwits them, outsmarts them again. And if you go further in the story, it's an ongoing battle, but nestled in this story, we see a woman who many of us, in fact, all of us can identify with, maybe not with her struggle, maybe not with her issue, but there are some truths about her story that we can identify with. The first one being that we all mess up. I I know uh, some people might make you feel like you've never made a mistake before, or, you know, somebody might encourage you and think that nothing is wrong, but we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three and 23 said for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. I, I know we try, but we miss the mark. Sometimes I know we make a good effort, but we make mistakes. Sometimes Alexander Pope, he was a 16th century poet, he said to err is to be human, meaning that it is a part of our nature to make mistakes because Adam fell. We are in a fallen place and we are going to make mistakes is a part of something that happened. And uh, Pastor Marty said it last week that we don't necessarily plan to make mistakes. I don't think any of us plan a lot of the, the bad decisions we make, but we end up making them anyway. We end up falling short anyway. I remember when I first got married and 
I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm trying to do a good job. I'm doing what a husband's supposed to do. I'm taking out the trash every time I'm supposed to, and I'm feeling good about yourself. You know, fellas, when you do something that you feel like you're supposed to do, it makes you feel good about yourself. But every time I would do it, my wife would look at me funny. And, and I'm wondering, what, what's her deal? I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And finally, as sweetly as she could, she said, baby, I, thank you for taking out the trash, but here's the problem. You're not replacing the bag. I know wives are looking at husbands right now like, yep, you do that too. I wish you would replace the bag. But here's the thing. I was making an effort, but I was still falling short. And we don't know explicitly what this woman was doing before. But what we do know is that she had fallen short of the mark. She had missed uh, the mark and she was trying or she was caught in the act of doing something that she shouldn't have done. These uh, Pharisees had brought her to Jesus because they knew Jesus was a merciful person. And they knew that Jesus would probably show her kindness. And they wanted to use that as a weapon against Jesus. And if you've ever done anything wrong you know you you want to make sure that somebody shows you some leniency somebody shows you some kindness and and here's the second thing that we all desire mercy now um i'm saved and i'm so grateful for god's salvation but he's still working on my right foot i got a lead foot when I look at the speed limits, I take them more as speed suggestions. They um, are depending on how I'm feeling is how I will drive it. But here's the thing. When I'm driving and somebody speeds past me, I'm looking around saying, where's the police when you need them? But then 10 minutes later, when I pass a cop going seven over, I'm saying, please, Lord, don't let them pull me over. Here's the thing. Whenever we find ourselves in difficult places and difficult seasons, we all desire mercy. We want somebody to be kind to us, somebody to show us mercy, someone to say it's going to be okay, someone to say it's all right. Your bad decision does not have to be your final destination, that there's still more for you, that you don't have to be the you're not the sum of your worst moments, that someone to show you mercy, someone to show you kindness. Can you imagine the state of this woman? Already knowing that she had done something wrong. And, you know, it's not like they took her to a side room to talk to her about it. They brought her in front of a crowd like this while Jesus was teaching and exposed her in front of people. And all she was desiring was mercy. And here Jesus is standing in the moment and he was willing and ready to, to give her mercy, willing and ready to give her grace. But there was a problem because of what she had done. She deserved to die rooted in the command or the statement in Deuteronomy 22 and verse 23 and 24. Someone who committed adultery was supposed to be stoned. This was the law of Moses. And because of what Jesus was doing, he was in a lose, lose situation. If I show her grace, they are going to arrest me. And if I, I condemn her, I lose favor with the people. I go against my character, go against what I have been telling them about grace and mercy if I condemn her. 
And here's the third uh, fill in the blank is that we all have an opponent. Just when you feel like God is about to give you some grace, there is something that reminds you of what you have done. Uh, John 10 and 10 says it like this. The enemy comes to steal, kill and to destroy. He's come to kill uh, your joy, to steal your identity and to destroy your purpose. The enemy is after who God has created you to be in the book of Revelation uh, chapter 12 and verse 10. He says he is the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes, unfortunately, the enemy uses brethren to accuse other brethren. And here we are in this text where we have this opponent and they are saying to Jesus, what are you going to say? What are you going to do about this? How are you going to handle this? Because this person deserves to die. This is a, a product of even our own lives sometimes that we find ourselves dealing with opponents in the path of our freedom. We desire mercy and we desire grace, but uh, our shame keeps reminding us of what we've done. We desire freedom, but we can't seem to let go of this thing. We can't seem to let go or, or to become free of this thing. And it seems like we're in a battle trying to fight. But in the midst of this, in this moment, what Jesus does is so valuable and so important. What he does is he allows us to obtain grace. And here's the fourth thing I need you to understand is that we have the ability to obtain grace from Jesus. He is not going to leave you where he found you. I know you've made mistakes. I know you've fallen short, but God says, I've got grace for that. I've got grace for your issues. I've got grace for your storms. I got grace for your past. I got grace for your present. And there is grace for your future. God says, I'm not through with you yet. You can obtain grace from God. God has grace for our lives. Grace for the places we fall short. And we all can obtain this grace. I love how Jesus does it is that he says, okay, all right. You who have not sinned, cast the first stone. To understand this more clearly, what Jesus is saying, and um, if you're imaginative, you might have thought that they were all standing there with rocks and they're about to throw a stone at her and there was this big scene. But that's not how they did stoning in those days. What they did was they would push somebody off a little ledge or a platform and they would fall. And what they would do is pick up a stone and try to drop it on them. It was one stone, not multiple stones. So what Jesus was saying to them, is if you have no sin, you can cast that stone. But he wasn't just exposing their sin. He was exhorting or um, exerting his authority. What he was saying is, I'm the only one without sin. I'm the only one qualified to throw this stone. And instead of throwing stones of judgment, Jesus became a stone of grace. Instead of throwing stones of condemnation, he became a stone of grace. And right now, what God wants to do, instead of judging you he wants to love you in John chapter 3 verse 17 he says it like this he did not come into the world to judge the world but by his son the world might be saved he wants to save you not condemn you he wants to love you not throw you away and you can obtain this grace that he has for each and every one of us 
This grace is ours that he has shed. But when we obtain Jesus's grace, here are three things that happen. What he wants to do is to protect us. I know that sounds crazy because you are in your wrong and in your sin. But what Jesus does here is he protects her from those who would want to destroy her life. What Jesus is saying is your mistake is not going to be fatal and your failure is not going to be final. I'm not going to allow my plans to be messed up because you messed up. I still have plans for your life and I'm going to protect you from those who would want to destroy your purpose because of this issue God is protecting her from those who would want to destroy her and even in your life God has been protecting you the fact that you are here means that God's grace was covering you because he protected you when you were in the car with the wrong person he protected you when you were with the wrong people at the wrong time he protected you when you were doing the wrong thing at the wrong time he protected you when you were dating the wrong person at the wrong time it should messed your life up but you are here to declare the grace and mercy of God was protecting your life amen 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 here's the here's the cool thing parents every single day you send your kids to school God's grace and mercy is protecting them every single day you walk out of your house God's grace and mercy is protecting them it says in his word that his mercies are new each morning it's there every single morning that God's grace has been protecting us sometimes we need to get over our spiritual amnesia and remember where God found us remember what we were doing when God found us when God began to change our lives. It was his grace that brought us this far and his grace that would keep us going forward. His grace protects us. It covers us. It's it overshadows us, but not only does it protect us, his grace gives us a new perspective. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my parents were from the old school and they really strongly believed in spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story later if you ask me. But whenever they would get in the mode to uh, discipline, I did what any smart child would do and make myself scarce. I would find myself in my room. I'd read a book. It would be a really quiet day. They wouldn't hear from me. A any way I could avoid that. I love you, mom. Man, you look so beautiful today, mom. Anything we could do to avoid it. But look at what's happening in this text. As they begin to leave, the woman stays where she is. Now, if it was me... Whatever direction they were leaving in, I was going the opposite direction as they were leaving. Whew. But she says stuck where she is. You see, that happens to us sometimes. After God has protected us, sometimes we get stuck in the shame of what we've done. After God has delivered us from something, sometimes we get into a cycle of regret that keeps us from moving forward. Keeps us from seeing the potential of our future because we're so stuck looking at the pain and the shame of our past. This woman 
is here in that moment and Jesus redirects her attention and says, where are your accusers? Have even one of them condemned you? And that word condemned there, the the Greek word is an active word. What he was saying here was, have any of them passed judgment? Have any of them done what they intended to do? Have any of them thrown the stone? And it's almost like she awakes out of this uh, place of stuckness. And she says, no, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you, neither do I. And what God is trying to say to many of us today is that we need to get the right perspective of who God says we are. We are not the results of our past. We are not the sum of our worst decisions. God says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let me tell you that God is not ashamed of what you've done because he know who you are. You can become God still has plans for you. Despite your mess up, your bad decision will not be your final destination that God wants you to see yourself through his lens. Through his perspective, his perspective is he is for you, not against you. His perspective is that that you have something to offer. And I don't know who this is for, but even if you're in a broken place, God says broken crayons still can color. That he can still do something with a life surrendered to him. But we have to have the right perspective on who God says we are. And who God has declared us to be. Sometimes we hold on to stuff longer than God does. Sometimes God has forgiven us and we are still holding on to the shame. We got to see ourselves the way God has seen us. And this woman gets a new perspective. And here's the third thing that he does is that God gives us a path to freedom. Now, he does not condone, uh, condemn the woman, but he also doesn't condone her sin. God did not die for us to receive his grace and stay stuck in mess. God did not die for us to receive this, this goodness and grace just for us to stay stuck in Romans six, chapter one. He says it like this. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? If I paraphrase that just because we have grace don't mean that we can keep sinning. That he died not just for your forgiveness, but he died for your freedom. He died to give you a path to life, a path to freedom. And this is what he says to the woman, go and sin no more. If I paraphrase that, what he's saying is go. I've made a way of escape for you. Live your life differently because I'm giving you a second chance. The songwriter used to say that he's a God of a second chance that even when I messed up over and over and over again, God still gives me another chance. And what he's saying, is that you need to go and live differently. I've made a way of escape. I've given you a path to freedom. I've given you a path so that you don't have to live the same way anymore. I know your mama and daddy and grandparents may have struggled with that, but you don't have to deal with the generational sin and generational curses. You can be free. God died for our freedom 
Scripture says it like this, that he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That life is available to each and every one of us, but we have to be willing to take this path to freedom. We have to be willing to walk the path of freedom that God has established for us and he gives us a way of escape. When I was a kid, um, I was reflecting on how we used to do this thing. Um, I know the kids today don't really know about this. We used to go outside. And so when we went outside, we didn't just go into a car. What we did was we went to this place called a park and they have green grass and sometimes they have swings and look up a picture if you've never seen one before. Um, but we would go to this park and I'm from Windsor, Connecticut. This, uh, one of the first towns established is from the 1600s and at this park, we would play this game called freeze tag. And while we were playing tag, we would run all over and we would enjoy the fresh air. But after a while, we would just get tired. And there was a place in the park, in the middle of the park, where there was a stone statue of this guy who fought in the Revolutionary War. And when you got tired of running, when you got tired of just going around in circles and you didn't want to deal with the game anymore, what you could do is go and put your hand on the stone. And when you would touch that stone, you would be safe from those who, who wanted to tag you and you had access to safety. And what I want to tell you is that God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants you to touch the stone of grace. Because when you encounter that stone, your life will never be the same. Maybe you have never made a decision for Jesus before. And maybe you're a believer who is stuck in habitual sin. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, what God is saying is that there's grace for that. There, there's grace for what you've done. There's grace for that semester in college. There's grace for what you're in right now. I have grace for your life. And I know you might say that, uh, well, my, my sin is strong, but Jesus will say, I'm stronger. I know you might say my shame is great, but Jesus says, I'm greater. Anything that you put before him, Jesus is greater than that. And if you would be willing to surrender it to him and walk the path of freedom he has for you, this encounter with the stone of grace will change your life forever. I know there are people in here this afternoon who, who need freedom. Who need to encounter that stone of grace. And I want to pray with you right now. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your compassion towards us, God. Your mercies are new each and every morning. God, I present to you every person under the sound of my voice, God. God, you said that you have come to set the captives free. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would allow freedom to be our portion. 
that you would allow your spirit to come and dwell with us and break every chain. Lord, your word declares where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, God. So we ask for freedom, God. We ask for deliverance. We ask for breakthrough. Even now, let us be changed. It is your anointing that breaks every yoke. And because of your spirit and because of your love, we can be free. And so, God, I pray right now for the person who has never surrendered their life to you. I pray that you would touch their heart now, that they would confess, Lord, I've fallen short and surrender their life to you. And would you make us new in you? In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.